Welcome back, listeners to Learning from Friends. It's great to have you come back in here. We're now somewhere in the 60s of episodes. We're in the new year. Hope everybody's doing well and staying healthy and not freezing your butt off because I know we've had all these winter storms that have been hitting out everywhere. So uh, hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying warm. So as you all know, as we start our podcast here, we have quote of the days. I'm going to do today's is coming from my niece. She's going to give us this great quote from Rosalind Carter, who recently had just passed here. So rest in peace. Thank you for all the amazing work that you did throughout your life. And so uh, let's hear that quote. Do what you can to show you care about other people and you will make our world a better place. Rosalind Carter. Again, shout out to my niece. Thank you for uh, recording that, providing that in here. Throughout this season, I'm going to try to throw in different people uh, that have either been on the podcast or family members or friends that I just feel like, yeah, record a quote, bring me a quote, kind of put it in place. My niece and nephew are going to have a couple, so giving you guys that a uh, little preparation here. So the topic for today that we are going into is nostalgia for me and nostalgia for many people that are out there that love card games. And this one was not one that I played. But I was very familiar with the circle of a couple of my friends that were involved with it, but I never got into it. I was a Pokemon guy, and I haven't played that in forever a long time. But the card game today is Yu-Gi-Oh! that we're looking at. I have a guest here that we are connected in like a distance kind of way, which is kind of cool with learning from friends of uh, connections from one friend to another friend and kind of that range. And so, uh, Aiden, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So how are we connected? I'll let you tell the story a little bit. So my mother and um, your partner worked together for a long, long time. And so eventually, you know, conversations happened and we met and now we're here. Yeah. Which and is insanely simple and convoluted at the, at the same, same time. time. Exactly. Like I've known you for about seven or eight years now but really i think we've had like seven or eight conversations <laughs> like it's the yearly wave decay and then yeah. we move hey, on now. what's up <laughs> or is it, yeah exactly like katie will say something and be like oh yeah well aiden did this today or you know i'm sure uh, as your mom said something from occasionally yeah, and something like, like that like oh. phantoms in the winds just sort of that's flown by. That's the cool thing. If you never know your connections and where things kind of go. And so that's why it's yeah. kind of cool. This topic that I did not know how intense of a player you were until my wife, Katie, came home and was talking about it. She goes, you know, something that would be kind of cool that you should put on your podcast. And I was like, what? She goes, contact Aiden, sit down, talk to him. And I'm going to reveal some stuff to you guys a little bit more about him as time goes along. But when I say intense player, I mean like we are going to go intense with his knowledge on this. It's it's a bit ridiculous. Um, I think the biggest nerd I know, which is saying a whole lot, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a little bit of background on who Aiden is to this audience, because I'm going to go with about 90% has no clue who you are. Sure. What do you want to provide? So my name's Aiden Collins. I graduated high school in 2021. Currently, I am uh, working on my networking IT degree uh, at Chattahoochee Tech University. What I like to do outside of that, I'm working two jobs, just trying to make it by. Nothing huge, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. So do you far. like uh, <laughs> drinking pin and claw and getting caught in the rain? You know, no, no, no. What's no, your social I, security number? What's your pin number? <laughs> like, come on, uh, man. Yeah, if your if your card number was a phone number, uh, what would the phone number be? And also the three wacky numbers on the back. <laughs> there you go. We we kind of need to kind of that's, that's how personal we're getting here today. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh man, that's fun. So, getting into our conversation here, Yu-Gi-Oh. What in the world, how did like Yu-Gi-Oh come out and what's some of the history of it? Because that's a it's a long story there. So yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh has a pretty involved history. It's been out for uh recently in 2023, celebrated its 25th anniversary. So Yu-Gi-Oh, that puts it in 1998. Okay, um, yeah, I'm like trying to do my math. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I see your count. <laughs> no, but it just recently uh celebrated its 25th anniversary. It was released in the Oh, you'll hear me say OCD, OCG, and TCG. Okay. OCG means Yu-Gi-Oh! inside of Japan. TCG means Yu-Gi-Oh! everywhere else. The Americas, Europe, Australia. I see. I think Australia is in the OCG, but I digress. <laughs> OCG is Asia. 
TCG is um, usually North America is into Europe. Well, what that means, rather, is basically the OCG just gets their cards faster. So they're about currently six months ahead of us in terms of releases and sets and uh, new cards and stuff like that. So we'll hear of like like new releases and stuff like that. And, you know, we'll sort of translate them into English and then have a few months to play around with them. And then they'll get actually released in the paper a few months later. Ah. But in Japan, it was released in 1998. In uh, the TCG, it was released back in 2001. Okay, Um, so there was that big gap there. Yes, yeah, yeah, Because it just took a while to get over. Oh, yeah, you got to get popularity and things like that as well. Uh, Which puts, I think, the anime that I think everyone pretty remembers pretty well that's why um, i remember watching some of the anime yeah, series so <laughs> before in in the first little arc of duel's kingdom there just were no rules people had no idea how to play this game you gotta make that why <laughs> like yugi is like destroying the flying temple by destroying its rings or something and like the blue eyes white dragon is getting hacked to be able to make its attack lower okay. and like uh, stuff like that it's the wild, wild west of chaos yeah, before the, which the is storm why, settles out what happens. Yeah. You know, the classic uh, Kaiba summoning three blue eyes per turn, and it's about all he's doing. But yeah. Uh, but the first set, obviously, was released. Or excuse me, I'm a total liar. It was 2002 was the first set of Yu-Gi-Oh! It was the, the Legend of Blue Eyes White Dragon, debuted on March 8th, 2002. Um didn't really mean a whole lot like the first couple sets even in like magic it doesn't super mean a lot like it's just true some cards i'll run them into your cards you'll run them into mine we'll scream yay and then the game's over (laughs) uh the like some years go by and around 2004 around in march a set called invasion of chaos came out i like the name it's really cool it's one of the most classic sets of all time it was i think the fifth set after Legend of Blue Eyes, Magic Ruler, Phronic Servant, a set that I can't remember, and then Invasion of Chaos. I like that. What I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I said it was I very smooth, it was like, too. It was you just said it something. very smoothly. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so on it and then totally forgot it. Um, <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> but yeah, IOC came out, and it was important for a lot of reasons. It uh, debuted sort of what was Yu-Gi-Oh's first archetypes. And when I say archetype, I mean just a group of cards. Um, usually they work well together, or they usually share the same name, or usually they um, are classified in the same way. So like sometimes they're just like Earth monsters, so an archetype. Or it'll be Crusadia monsters, and they'll have their own little archetype. Or, you know, they'll World Chalice monsters. Like, it's own, its own little group. It okay. has friends. And it released the Chaos Monsters, Chaos Sorcerer, Blacklisted Soldier, and Chaos End Dragon. Also, uh, in October of the same year, in 2004, these cards were so influential that it caused Yu-Gi-Oh's first ban list. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was a bit intense. <laughs> so pretty quickly, intense. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the cards that were banned there were mostly like CED, which has a really powerful effect to just lock your opponent out of the game. That's um, it's terrible. It was a bad time. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, why Wild West, you know? Yeah. So the set, you know, the sets keep releasing about in 2005 when the first uh, Time Wizard format is released. And again, Time Wizard format is just a way of saying an older format, okay. an older format that sometimes the community likes coming back to, that the community likes revisiting, that you know maybe just people have fun memories of. Right. That's sort of just Time Wizard in essence. So you like sometimes. Um, tournament stores will have a Time Wizard Day or like a Time Wizard tournament and uh, they'll like do a couple of different ones which I'll go over in a couple minutes. We'll get there. Um, yeah. Or it'll, no it'll, it'll, it'll be there in a minute. But in 2005 um, this first format was deemed Goat Format. It was named after uh, the card named Scapegoat. Uh, um, okay. The one that they used in the anime a couple times. I think it's Joey's card to be able to make the four little sheeps that you see sometimes on like some artwork. Um, I love the artwork, by the way, in those scenes. The cards oh, are so, so beautiful. Nice. Oh, it's so pretty. So beautiful. The, um, the Battle City arc in the first Yu-Gi-Oh! show is one of my favorites. It's so pretty. That, like, that scene of like Slifer like, wrapping around the blimp is mm-hmm. so pretty to me. I don't know. It's cool. I, I give so much credit to over in distant general in Asia, like the, that art style that mm-hmm. just, oh. It ages so really well, too. Yeah. Like, like even 80s shows are like still amazingly watchable. It's very, oh, yeah. very fun. It's very true. Yeah. 
Under ours, like very grainy, and you could tell, like it yeah, was it's off. like <laughs> it's like watching South Park in the like the beginnings when it's the paper modules, and now like watching now we're still somewhat kind of paper, but like how did we get from point in like oh, Simpsons? How do we get oh. from point A to point B? <laughs> like, like even like early two thousands, you're like, oh no, this did not age well. <laughs> true, that's a very true statement. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the um the goat format just uses a ban list that was available from two thousand and five. Um, sometimes at like big events, they won't say like today's time wizard format is goat they'll say like october 2005 format is what they'll say sometimes and okay it just means goat but they can't use the community name because it's not a konami official name uh, yeah. licensing yeah Love Kon- it. konami <laughs> is really 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 strict about a lot of weird things um, gotta save your intellectual property yeah but like we're just trying to name the format man it's not it's not that serious so Pretty much, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! pretty much continues. Um, Cybernetic Revolution comes out, which changes a lot because of the existence of a card named Cyber Dragon. Cyber Dragon. That's Cyber intense. Dragon. Uh, it is a dragon used in um, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, if you ever watched it. Uh, it is Zane's card. Uh, okay. He uses Cyber Dragon, Cyber End Dragon, Cyber Twin Dragon. He uses a lot of those guys. Um, all in the same family? Yes, yes, all in the same okay. archetype. They're all friends. So... Um, pretty much it goes on to continues 2007 comes out uh this is still gx format okay and we're getting the first official named archetype that the fans are like super super loving because there's one before it but it stinks so we don't talk about it <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's, it's the, the bad it's the bad it's the just pass over it it's pass fine over. they pay life points that's about all they do <laughs> And in 2007, the first like big breakout archetype happened, which was Gladiator Beasts. Uh, the Gladiator Beasts' whole gimmick is that they have to attack, and then at the end of the battle phase, they like swap out with different Gladiator Beasts. Okay. So they're like in the arena, and then they swap out of the arena, and then new Gladiators come in. It's pretty cool. And they were really, really strong, uh, because for a really, really long time, effects in the battle phase were really, really good. Okay. Really, really, really good. Uh, and a lot of cards, like a lot of trap cards triggered, like when your opponent attacks or when you declare an attack, stuff like that. Uh, and there were really good ways to ensure that your gladiator beasts attacked and your opponents could not. But yeah, that, that was like, that was in 2007. Uh, and they were pretty, pretty dominant in the metagame for about a year after that. Yeah, it was, if you did not like seeing gladiator beasts, it was a bad time. And then April 2010 is when the next um, like really big set happened in Yu-Gi-Oh. If you guys were, if anyone remembers, 2010 was also the release year of Yu-Gi-Oh 5Ds, which is my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh show. That's and where it, I stopped. I remember watching it up to then. Yeah. Because I had to look back through it's and like, like, I remember watching that. Card thing. games on motorcycles. Ew. Who plays card games on motorcycles? <laughs> But yeah, no, no, no. Um, Changing it up, man. You gotta, you yeah, gotta keep I mean, it with the time. It's exciting. Like, all the kids love it. It's great. I loved it. I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it fits your time frame perfectly right on. It was I was great. in college at the time watching it. I was Dating seven. myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was seven years old, so it wasn't... Fits that nice little range. I remember yeah, having was... a TV show on, like, rats on motorcycles. And they were, like, <laughs> again, on rats on motorcycles. At, the, at like, six or five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was um, sort of the... The new stuff that happens in Yu-Gi-Oh! always follows the line of the shows. Okay. So, like... Makes you know, sense, because you yeah, want to kind of keep yeah. everybody in place. So, like, um, the Cyber Dragon release was really big into the start of GX. Uh, it changed a lot of what made Yu-Gi-Oh! itself. It just changed its identity. Like, everyone having access to this big guy you could just summon as long as you went second in a game was okay. really, really important, uh, especially because one of the dominant strategies in GOAT format was named Monarch. Uh, and Monarch really, really loves having another guy so they contribute over it to be able to summon themselves. And all the Monarchs are big and they have really good effects when they are tribute summoned. Okay. Uh, but they need a tribute to be able to summon themselves, which made the strategy really hard until you got Cyber Dragon. So for a long time, I think it's come up a couple years, but you know, probably from like 2005 to 2007, like Monarchs was just a really good thing to be doing a lot of the time. Hey, it's certain strategies stick and they yeah, last, and that's kind of oh what evolves Lord. the game some. 
And then a couple years after that, they got a structure deck, which just means they got new support with new cards. And it was insanely cheap. And it was so good. It was so good. It was so good. That Monarch structure deck was so good for no reason. You know what? Why sometimes you just gotta like change it up a little bit and add some extra little twist and it draws people back into that maybe have been gone for a little while. Yeah, especially when it's like a really cheap product, like a structure deck. Like yeah. spend thirty dollars, have a and I I can't emphasize this enough, a nationals winning strategy after spending thirty dollars. That is unheard of. It is, Unheard especially of. after I go into detail later. <laughs> Look forward to that. Definitely yeah, do. oh, it's great. It's Again, nationally can... ranked individual here. I didn't say that earlier. He spoiled himself. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I said the deck was nationally ranked. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, See, I spoiled way. it. Spoiler alert, y'all. <laughs> we have a nationally ranked player no, here amongst, no, 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 amongst no, no, it. No, 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 it's okay. But in April 2010, uh, they had introduced something in Duelist Genesis, which was the new set of the new show, called Synchro Summoning. And all Synchro Summoning is, is basically sort of what you get in the extra deck up till then. is like Fusion Summoning, which is activating a spell, and then two guys become one bigger guy. And then with Synchro Summoning, it is one tuner and one regular monster, and they make a bigger guy. Okay. And all they have to do is equal the levels of the bigger guy. Okay. That's it. That's all we're at. And then um, as we get into late 2010, the next unofficial Time Wizard format was released, which was called Edison Format. Edison Format has a really, really interesting history of itself. The format was only available for one weekend, and it was a some sort of bigger tournament in Edison, New Jersey. It was... Interesting choice of New after, Jersey. Why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, they pop up everywhere. It's... It, if it, you can get a group of people together and it's easy to access, go for it, man. They're in there. Roll they are, it. They are playing <laughs> some card games. But Edison Format was really unique in the fact that it was only played for one weekend in Edison, New Jersey. And it was it was only that one tournament. And not many formats last that way, where like it's only for the one, but it was only for the so one. So it's tournament. legendary, the myth it's of legendary. Edison Format. <laughs> Edison Format. Coming to your theaters terrible um but yeah it was only the one weekend and it was off the heels of a new ban list and it was right before the set release for the shining darkness which was one of the best Yu-Gi-Oh formats in edison followed by one of the worst oh well hey you know sometimes you can't get back and forth continual you can't have multiple successes it, it can't it can't happen but Edison format was deemed from then because people were experimenting with it and loved it. And uh, it's gained traction a lot in the last couple of years. Okay. Uh, Konami's been really hesitant since like before quarantine to be able to like play these classic formats in like official tournaments. What you'll see now in like modern YCSs is like they'll have the main event going and they'll have like side events, either like win a mats where you can compete in a smaller tournament and win like tickets to win a mat over at like the prize table or um just like a mouse pad or something cool like that just like fun little stuff yeah, little trinkets yeah they'll also be running uh a, like a time wizard tournament and they'll okay. announce these tur like the time frame in which they want to do these tournaments like a month or so ahead so people can prepare sometimes they'll do edison sometimes they'll do goat sometimes they'll do i think the may 2019 format which some people like, some people don't. Pre-COVID. Yeah, <laughs> the before times. But it, it's pretty around there. It was it, it was a fun format, but I digress. You know, sometimes they'll do like late 2010, and usually it's Edison format. Um, and it has gotten an insane amount of traction over even the last year. Uh, people have just been playing more and more. Uh, it's gotten more support on like, on official platforms like Dueling Book, it's gotten more traction, even being run in official Konami events. Because okay. they used to not run the like official Time Wizard formats in addition to the main uh, main event of okay. like these championships or um, these YCSs or nationals and stuff like that. Uh, it used to be only the main event. No one else can have fun. Terrible Aww. time. Yeah, <laughs> but now they, now they start to do it. So like it, it's fun to see that a classic format like that um, is getting more traction. I digress, though. The next, like, super important thing was in 2011, which was the release of Generation Force, which introduced uh, Xyz Summoning. And this is, like, sort of the point 
where people are like, there's a lot of stuff happening now. Cause like, there's a lot of stuff. You've been around for that long at that point in time. Yeah. Like, people have an issue, and Yu Gi Oh! does have this issue of just introducing more and more summoning mechanics or just ways to play more cards. I look at Pokemon and how many like different durations and all the different stuff to it. It's, yeah, I bet it's the same idea. It's so complicated. (laughs) Why are you adding more rules? We just figured out these. Why, why, why? What do you mean you could play more than one energy per turn? I don't know what you mean. Um, <laughs> All that I know is wrong. Everything <laughs> I know is wrong. Everything's a lie. But yeah, it's um, it was Xyz summoning, which synchro summoning was uh, combining the levels of the monsters. Okay. Xyz summoning is taking two monsters of the same level, putting them on top of themselves, making the Xyz monster. Okay, That's so it. you're making it a lot, lot more powerful, a lot stronger. Yeah, 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 But it's stacking. But it's stacking, and it's you know, got a black little border, and it's cool looking. I like the Xyz monsters. I don't know. Hey, everyone has their own thing, man. <laughs> Fair enough. Pretty much everything, not super notable, 2011 through 2014 wasn't like a huge era for Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, it had like a lot of fun stuff you could play, but it's not super, not super worth talking about. After that, the the dark ages, (laughs) not really. You know, after that is 2014 in Duelist Alliance. Duelist Alliance is also one of those sets like um, Invasion of the Chaos, which is just, it is just the best set conceivable. Okay. Um, It introduces the Pendulum Monsters, which are different in the fact that they can also be played as spell cards. Okay. Um, So like, if you normal summon it as a monster, it has its effect. If you place it in the pendulum zone or a zone where you can place a pendulum monster, it has its own spell effect. So, like, you don't take battle damage next time you would. Something like that. Trade-offs. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't like pendulum summoning to this day. It's whatever. Uh, but the important part is that uh, Duelist Alliance introduces a lot of ATCG exclusive archetype and also... Um, a worldwide archetype named uh, the Shadows and the Burning Abyss, which you will still see players playing Shadow and Burning Abyss monsters to this day. Okay. To this day. Uh, Duelist Alliance. Ten years later. Still holding strong. Literally. It is, it is amazing how people love these two archetypes. Um, the Yang Zings were also released in this, which are like cool dragon monsters and who just like, they're just around sometimes. They're just around. It's all right. But yeah, the 2014 was insanely, insanely important to the metagame because, because Shadow and Burning Abyss are so explosive out of the gate immediately, mm-hmm. it instantly changes the metagame because now the games are so much shorter than they used to be. So be- what would be like an average kind of range? So like GOAT format, you can be anywhere from like 10 to 15 turns, even like 25 turns deep just because of how long those games get to be. Because mm-hmm. it's literally, my monster has more attack points than your monster, your monster dies, you take 400 points of damage. So everyone takes 400 points of damage for like 20 turns until someone dies. In like GX, it was easier to like have these blowout turns where you could massively shift the tempo in your favor. Okay. Just by like being more conservative and then pushing your opponent at the last minute and then going for like a big turn at around turn 10 to 15 range. Okay. Um, same thing with Edison. Edison games are really, really unique in the fact that they can be either five turns long or like 30 turns long. It is either a slog or you are just going to the next game because Walk it just it is what it is. It just <laughs> If you're not prepared. Yeah, it's just he... He drew better. It's we can go next. It's okay. But Duelist Alliance pretty much shortened these games to maybe five turns max. Wow. So you're cutting in like a third. Maximum five turns. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. Whenever you're going from one to the other, of just 15, 30, five. So I bet you that shortened tournaments a fair amount in, in size. It did. It did. They used to have... It changed the time rules more accurately. Okay. Uh, the way they used to work is like you would play until time ran out. When time runs out, it is considered turn one. You then have five more turns turns to a um, sorry determine a victor, and whoever wins has the most life points by the end of five turns. Okay. 
That was, I think, the worst way to explain that. But you know what? I got it. My yeah. brain clicks to it. Lower life points loses, higher life points wins. Five turns. Okay. They changed it in, I can't remember what year, but it was semi-recently to be, it was a turn end of uh, end of game procedure. Now it's a end of phase procedure. This will make more sense later, but you would finish the phase that you are in when time is called. So okay. if you're in the main phase, you would finish the main phase. At the end of the main phase, whoever has more wins. Sometimes that just means I have to like say draw phase, standby phase, main phase, battle phase as quickly as I can and mm -hmm. hope my opponent does nothing <laughs> so I can swing into them and hopefully win. <laughs> hey, take advantage of whatever you can. You have to, you have take to... advantage. Oh, it's it's so stressful. It's it's terrible. Uh, end of it's phase. It's a good game though. Yeah, yeah. It's it's know the rules. Know to play the game. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. After the huge, pretty much upset that was um Duelist Alliance. Um, the next era of Yu-Gi-Oh was 2017 when they introduced Link Monsters. Uh, Link Monsters are more convoluted than any other summoning mechanic. Okay. They are weird. They're just weird. <laughs> they're weird. They're, they're complicated. Weird. They're weird. Okay. So um, Sounds like my descriptions. <laughs> I love it. They're just weird. Just don't yeah. worry about it. It's. It, it, I'm going to give you a short synopsis here. Whenever Link Monster... Okay, so here's where we're going to start. A link monster has a link rating in the bottom right-hand corner, usually where the defense points are on a card. Okay. That link rating is how many monsters need to be used for the link summon of that card. So if it's link two, you would need two monsters. If it's link one, you need one monster. If you need three, you need three. If you need four, you need four. When using a link monster for a link summon, its link rating can be used instead. So if you need a link three, for example, and you have a link two and a link one, instead of making a link two, they can make a link three because two plus one equals three. <gasps> math, math, it's so gay. <laughs> uh, like, um, also, some cards have different summoning conditions where even though a monster will be a link five, it will still need four link materials okay. to be used for its summon. Most of the time, this is not the case. It's usually by a card-by-card -card basis. But just link arrows plus amount of monsters is pretty much where you want to be. So link one, one body, two, two bodies, three, three bodies, et cetera, et cetera. The max I think a link monster has ever gotten is a link six. It's a lot of work. Yes. Good drawing, too. You gotta, yes. you gotta have a good draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a link six, and there are only seven currently in the game. I believe there's only seven, but, you know, not super important to what I was talking about. <laughs> um, 2017 goes by. Uh, you get into like 2020 formats, which were really rough. People had too much time on their hands. People had way too much time on their hands. Uh, and Yu-Gi-Oh! got really, really bad. <laughs> you had FDKs, which basically just stands for first turn kills. So okay. it means that if you don't open a way to stop me, then you were just dead on the spot. If oh, I my go word. First. It's, it's bad. It's very, yeah, that, very unrighted. That would be very frustrating. It is. It is. That'd be one of those where I would just walk up and flip the table and say, screw everyone, screw this game. Yeah. <laughs> 2020 or 2021 is where that famous clip of a professional player named Jesse Cotton executes a slash draw FTK versus a 14-year-old live on stream. I bet that kid cried so He hard. did not. He did not. He he just let Jesse do his thing. And it, it oh. was very mature of him. Uh, but it was very like, it's my first tournament. I don't really know what to play. I'll play something. And like, here's my mirror force. And you know. done. <laughs> yeah. And, and now the game's over and you've lost. Which it was... But at least you went viral? <laughs> like or has a memory that will never go away. He gets I don't to know. he gets to look at it on stream all the time, <laughs> over and over and over again, <laughs> and relive it. Yeah, it was it was a meme for a really long time in the community of like, guys, it's got to the point we've got to stop this. We've got to change point. this. So they basically have taken more drastic measures towards decks now uh, with ban lists and with like pretty much discouraging that line of play of like okay. we want games to be interactive we also want them to we want like people to play again we, we, we don't want, we, to we want people to play again you know <laughs> we don't want them to stop uh, and that's like a huge thing in the Yu-Gi-Oh community one of the biggest problems in Yu-Gi-Oh is just getting new players to play Yu-Gi-Oh I can believe that because between 
Fusion, Synchro, Exes, Pendulum, Ritual, Link. There are six different summoning mechanics, all of which act differently and change drastically what your deck is trying to do. Oh, wow. Not only the countless amount of archetypes that exist in Yu-Gi-Oh, it is... It's just a lot. You already it's, have me having a headache. I know. <laughs> we got an hour and 20 more to go, baby. Hey, no, we're good. But I'm saying I was trying to the different styles. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. this reminds me of whenever I was going through and learning Pokemon and learning magic. It's just like, mm -hmm. okay, what you remember now, discard that. Throw it out. <laughs> Throw it out the window. You don't need wait, it anymore. I got to start over again? <laughs> like, ah! Now the creatures can go on adventures. Ooh. <laughs> oh, changing. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's pretty much... More so the history of Yu-Gi-Oh! up till this point. We recently got out of a um, pretty big format of really only one deck was playable. Okay. Uh, about a year or so from now, uh, or a year, year ago, year ago, we got out of that format. I'm saying, you're predicting so the future a year from now. Yeah, a year yeah, yeah. from now, I've got this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, Insider no, no. trading here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say near it. Um... <laughs> No, 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 no. But uh, a year ago, we had gotten out of this big format. It was a huge mess. There was only one deck that was playable. It was insanely expensive because of only one card. The so cost of entry is now gone down. Uh, it is now $350 because you need to buy three cards. Buy three cards. Buy three cards. It's $350. Wow. 112 a piece. So yeah. now you're getting the majority of like 16-year-old back you're kind of yeah, cutting out at yeah, that point yeah, yeah. The, if you are not making a stable paycheck you are not playing yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh right now that's unfortunate it was a bad time and it was an oppressive deck too it was just very aggressive in the way it played it, it, it was a whole lot it was a whole lot now you've given us a lot of like background information here a lot kind of thrown out there how did it gain your interest at a seven-year-old because it takes a lot to get a seven-year-old's interest when there's so much out there to be able to be watching yeah Coincidentally, it was just sort of the show that I could watch without getting satellite TV. Yeah. Uh, it was on like the Sunday morning cartoons. Yeah, uh, that and like uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Five Ds anime, which was um, airing at the time. And then it would like show these reruns of the original show too. And um, you know, as a kid, you just kind of want to engage with the thing that you're watching. That's true. In like any way you can. So like I'd go to Walmart with my family and be like, mom, 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 get me the Yu-Gi-Oh packs. Give me the Yu-Gi-Oh packs. And I'd get like some, and I'd play my brother who like, you know, was just, he would have been about like 10 or 11 at the time. Yeah. And just like beating your seven-year-old brother at a game of like any intellectual fortitude is just like instantly you're winning because the True. biggest thing in my mind is two plus two equals four right at that point in time yeah 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 so it's like i mean here's a guy you play your guy and then uh you Man. know and then do this attraction so you're learning skills at seven year old that you're gonna take for the rest Ooh, of your life yes love addition and subtraction <laughs> i um, can do that yeah, I, I can do that. Addition, subtraction, division, multiplication. As long as you add, don't add in like the X's and O's and yeah. I'm good. <laughs> What's an imaginary number? Ooh, yeah, let's go over there. Yeah. <laughs> Move that there. Yeah. Uh, buddy, we're about to learn calculus. Oh, man. Uh -oh. Out the First window. grade me would be running away so fast. Yeah. I, I can believe that. Yeah. <laughs> My president, I'm just going to go outside with rocks and throw rocks at a dumpster. Yeah. I'm man. just going to move, move Me, on. <laughs> this tennis ball are going to have a great afternoon outside doing not that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but I just want to interact with it. And like, it, it, it didn't really like, you know, it was just sort of a phase when I was a kid. And it was just sort of this nostalgia thing I kept going back to. So it was just like, it was just something that like represented a lot of my childhood. Yeah. It was a lot of what I watched. The and, good um, times. Before responsibilities of adulthood hits. <sighs> oh man. Don't depress me like that kid. I'm, I'm sorry. I, dro <laughs> I dropped the level of like, boom. well, that's going and stop here. Cause now I've made it very depressed. I'm like, it will pick up another day and cut. I'm like, oh. But no, that's, you need to have the nostalgia factor to keep you going. And now you're yeah. looking at, from seven-year-old forward, now you're looking up at that and it's good fond memories. It's good things that it keeps going. That nostalgia factor is is very key and very important. Yeah. To be able to do so. Now we have, you mentioned all these different like 
packs and all those different things that kind of came out here. You were mentioning these different types of cards. Yes. What are the card types? And just a little about each one. Sure. So in essence, the simplest way of viewing each one is that monsters have an attack and defense okay. and are used to strike your opponent. Uh, each player starts with 8,000 life points. The monsters make it so your opponent loses those life points. Gotcha. You can deck directly or into your opponent's attack or defense position monsters. Okay. Your spells are usually able to either boost your monsters in some capacity, either like attack points or maybe they can't be destroyed by battle this turn or maybe they're an equipped card that gives them more attack or defense or maybe it summons another monster from deck. You know, it bolsters what you do on the field. Okay. The trap cards are traps for your opponents. A lot of them read, especially very, very early in Yu-Gi-Oh's history, and even in Essen format around 2010, like, if your opponent attacks, banish that monster. Or Mirror Force, the classic card Mirror Force. If your opponent declares attack, destroy all attack position monsters they control. Okay. They are traps set for your opponent. Aha. That is, that is all they are used for. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. But yeah, it it is at its core just that. Uh, the monsters have different types between them. A, a really quick overview of the... If you look at a monster card, uh, it's going to have a type, attribute, level, attack, and defense. Okay. Sometimes an effect, but we'll get to that later. The attribute and type sometimes relates it back to an archetype of like, you know, your fire warrior monsters or... Uh, maybe your earth fairy monsters or, you know, your light fairy monsters. They're distinguished in sort of that different way. Uh, mostly, most modern archetypes, again, use their name to distinguish if they're in the same family or not. But a lot of the times, or rather, most times than not, it is usually either like a type or attribute similarity. Um, its level pretty much just means, is it uh, a normal summonable card or not? Uh, any card that's level four or lower is normal summonable okay. unless it states otherwise in its effect so i have a level four monster i can normal summon it once per turn i have a level three monster i can normal summon it once per turn you know all the way back until one uh, anything over five or six requires one tribute so you send one card you control or one monster you control to the graveyard to tribute summon that card okay and then sometimes with like the monarchs I was talking about earlier, yes. they have effects based on, you know, whether they were tribute summoned. Sometimes you can special them out using different cards like Monster Reborn. They wouldn't get their effects because they say tribute summoned. Anything over six levels on a card needs two tributes. Okay. Or sometimes monsters that big have like, you can special summon this card if like, you know, it's a Tuesday or like something like that. <laughs> um that would be awesome. I'm not going to lie. I want really, that. You could always summon on Tuesday. So like, if you have this card, donut. <laughs> it's Wednesday. Nope. Not today. <laughs> no, not today. No, no, no. Not, not really. But like if you have, you know, five cards of different names in your graveyard, you can special summon this card from your hand. Okay. Or if you control another card from its archetype, you can special summon this card from your hand. Okay. Which is mostly pretty much the, the most basic one you'll find on most modern cards is like... Here's a guy. If you have him in your hand, you can play him. We'll that works. That. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's going to love when they add in those little intricacies. That yeah, you can be able like, to kind of pull out something. Oh, if you love intricacies, Yu-Gi-Oh! is the card game for you. I struggle to keep my attention span on stuff for like short periods of time. So I, I, me and card games, if it's not like Rook or like Spade or something like that, it's like my brain is all over the place. I got you. But, but it's amazing to hear the passion of, that you're talking about. With you. That's the key <laughs> thing there is the passion. It's the passion. And also, I've put so much time into this that now I just can't afford to get it out. <laughs> I'm stuck. Yeah, I'm stuck. Let me help. help. Wink, help. wink twice if you need help. <laughs> I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here's a dollar. Don't go spend it all at one place. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's that's sort of in essence what each you know monster spell and trap does okay um the monster types are different but the fusion monsters usually need to be fused so a card that does that is polymerization 
uh, more times than not. Uh, some archetypes have their own fusion spell. Okay. Um, the shadows have that, like we were talking about earlier. But they're just two different guys. They make a bigger guy. Um, usually he's a bigger level, sometimes not. Uh, the synchro monsters, you need a tuner and a non-tuner. Make them add together. Make the guy. Xyz monsters are where it becomes interesting. Okay. Uh, Xyz monsters are unique because it has the two cards underneath it. Because okay. it, you, um, same level, put them on top of each other, make the Xyz monster. As long as they're the same level, they can be overlaid, quote unquote, to be able to summon the Xyz monster. Gotcha. After they are put on top of each other, underneath the Xyz monster, they are classified as Xyz materials. So they're not on field, they're not off the field, they're just sort of in this quantum state of uncertainty. But a lot of Xyz monsters use these Xyz materials for their effects. So the cost for the effect uh, would be like, remove one Xyz material from this card, target one card your opponent controls, destroy it. Pretty simple. Huh. Or like when your opponent declares an attack, you know, take one Xyz material away from this card, and if you do, uh, negate that monster's attack, or like destroy that monster, or like, you know, it 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 creates like this feeling of like actual cost that's not a lot of cards do of like well i can only do that two more times or i need to make another copy of that card or like i need to find a way to put more xyz materials under this card it's it's pretty nice uh the unfortunate part is that konami recognizes this and tends to give xyz monsters really 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 good effects okay um there is one that is currently on the ban list uh -oh. uh, named Shockmaster. Uh, Shockmaster's materials include three level four monsters. He's not the easiest guy to summon in the world, right? Fair. But during either player's turn, you may <laughs> detach one exceed material from this card and call one card type, monster, spell, or trap. Your opponent cannot activate the effects of that card type until the end of the turn. Oh, so that's giving you a huge advantage by that point. Because mm -hmm. oh. if your opponent's a trap-based deck, well, nice trap cards. Can't use them anymore. You are now completely... Cool monster effects, buddy. Uh-uh, can't use them. Uh, so he got banned very quickly. <laughs> but you know what? They tried. Yes, yes, they did. Uh, I think Xyz monsters currently are tied on the ban list for Link monsters. Just the quantity of how many cards are banned. Uh, I think they're tied at like 13, I think. Within that set? On the ban list. On the ban list. Okay, yeah, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, they're tied for 13 Link Monsters, 13 Xyz Monsters. There's some banned Synchros. There's some banned Fusions. They're not super important. Yeah, good play. As you, you basically cover of, if you want to understand the card, read it. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. read it, ask a question, evolve for it. Yes. How many cards are there? Like, there you have all these different generations, all this different stuff. Like, how many are there? So, because of the way that Yu-Gi-Oh works, is that it's only one, you know, quote-unquote official non-time wizard format is uh, what Magic players usually call eternal format, which means every card ever printed that is not on the ban list is available for play. So, you know, usually this means like you can pull out some cool tech cards from a long time ago. You can play old archetypes. You can play like if you're just starting out, you can play like newer or older or whatever you want. Uh, what this does mean is that it gets really, really complicated to look for cards that are really good, especially when there are 12,345 of them in total. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Um, I'm also, curious, how many do you have of that? <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is it is pretty interesting. That is, by the way, I don't think counting the cards in the ban list. Okay. Um, That's the active which, player cards that yes, can be used. Uh, which there are, uh, I think I wrote it down somewhere. We'll um, find it eventually. It'll be somewhere. It'll I'll be somewhere over. down I there. I know I wrote it down. But there's like 109 cards on the ban list, 45 cards on the limited list, and then I think th nine cards on the semi-limited list. Okay. So, you know, that's somewhere in the ball game of like 12,500 cards in total. That's insane. Yeah, just that's a, a lot. Bit. But you have, again, you have all your different, your monsters, your spells, your traps. Like it makes sense of having that variety. And especially if it's been around for 
25 years. 25 years. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of just can't do, here's 100 cards and be able to still make money. Yeah. It's it like, doesn't Ooh. work. Yeah. It doesn't um, work. Magic has a different uh, sort of, in their modern format, it sort of works differently uh, than just having an eternal format where every card is legal. Okay. Uh, they have a ban list on top of like named sets that they can only use. Um, but those go for like, you know, from now until like three years ago. So there's like, 2,000 cards in a card pool, not 12,000. <laughs> you, know? you cannot prepare so for every like, scenario. It's, it's a little bit more... It, it's a little bit more controlled in the okay. way that, like, you know, some cards are out of control crazy where we need to ban them, and some cards are, but, like, they're not surrounded by all these it's cards from, like... middle grounds. Yeah, yeah, from, like, 20 years ago where we need to figure out how to balance this. It's sort of for the most part, sort of gets tameable in a way. Right. Um, where like you're not having these huge breakout formats where there's only one deck playable or there's like... I know as a player, I would be frustrated if I could only play one deck if I've been collecting yeah. and, and building for, again, 25 years. Yeah, and 8,000 of those cards aren't playable and 4,000 of them are the new hotness or whatever, you know? it's It, it gets annoying to a lot of players. I, that, that I can believe for sure. Yeah. Now, what is the strongest out of all the cards that you've got out there? What is the strongest card? So, this is a harder question than you might imagine. Okay. Um, well, in your opinion, what is the yes. strongest? Yeah. There you go. So, Let's reward that. So, the strongest <laughs> card that has been printed is a card named Max C. And Max C is in sort of a family, not a named archetype, but like a, just a family of cards that the community has labeled as hand traps. It's not, they're all monster cards for the most part, but they are a collection of cards that are able to be used as your opponent plays. So, oh, okay. Like, if your opponent activates a monster effect on field, Effect Veiler has the card text of Quick Effect, which means during either player's turn, um, you may discard this card, target one monster your opponent controls, negate its effects till the end of the turn, which is where that interaction I was talking about comes into play when yeah. like really big formats like that happen because you have to have a way for your opponent to interact with you while you play mm -hmm. while these like huge big really powerful cards exist and they all fill different roles but maxi is one that every time your opponent's special summons you draw one card okay which doesn't sound that bad right uh because you know as of earlier i could sort of sort of touched on it, but you only get one normal summon per turn. Okay. Right? And it's just a level four lower monster. But there is an, an unlimited amount of special summons you may conduct in one turn. Which huh. like through synchro monsters and fusion monsters and and the link monster guys, you get to special summon a lot. So your opponent's saying every time you special summon a guy, I get another guy. Oh so from you're their doubling deck. your turn to yes. be able to Yes. So you get a lot of card advantage that way. And card advantage in Yu-Gi-Oh! is really, really, really important because of the way that cost is in Yu-Gi-Oh! Because okay. um, every card has an activatable cost. Like, you know, I was discard this card, so you lose the card to be able to activate it, right? Okay. Um, certain cards say discard one card from your hand or tribute one monster or stuff like that. There was always an associated cost when going into any effect ever in Yu-Gi-Oh. Sometimes it's really easy to achieve. Sometimes this cost associates with like, you can't activate effects in hand anymore uh, for the rest of the game. But you get like all these cool like effects on this card, you know? Maxi just gives you a lot of cards to play with. Nice. A lot of cards to play with. The more options you have, the better availability. Like, so even off of like one draw, Maxi can either find you a starter to like to be able to play the game into your opponent's already fragile board because okay. they don't want to give you all the cards in your deck, right? True. So they have to find a way to navigate Maxi. They have to find a way to make sure they don't die on the next turn. <laughs> they have to figure out you know, all these complicated like processes that need to be addressed simply because your opponent opened one card. Man. And it is game changing. So, so important that you have a reaction to Maxi. And it is 
so often you just don't. Um, well, it's hard to prepare for something like that. It is hard to prepare for like that, which is why a lot of um, Master Duel, which is the um, computer game that was released back in 2022, has Maxi still legal. And so does the OCG. OCG still has Maxi. And a lot of deck profiles are different because they need to prepare for Maxi. Mm. Uh, a lot of decks perform differently into the metagame because Maxi exists. Nice. Which is great. Yeah. It's lovely for those decks, but they don't translate well for the TCG because we don't have it. That card is banned. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't play with that card. Well, did that make sense because of how like, strong and powerful yes. it can be? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is why most powerful. Yes. <laughs> uh, and like a card in the ban list also is Pot of Greed. You know, the like card everyone used in like the original show. It just draws two cards. But it's really important because it makes your deck more consistent. It makes your deck like way harder con with to contend to because you've drawn you know this card that gets you two additional cards that sometimes are or sometimes is pot of greed so you get two more additional cards so you're going up in card advantage you know off of one draw which is insane that it's is insane. amazing it's it's insanity <laughs> especially in like goat format where pot of greed is legal it's so crazy it's so crazy yeah, I think I think goat format is the only format where pot of greed is, is able to be played. But I digress. Um, hand <laughs> hand advantage extremely important. Yeah, maxi gains you so much of it, so much of it. Was that one of your favorite cards? No, no. <laughs> no. I was curious. You know. Uh -uh. <laughs> so there is the attacks of being at least at eight thousand. You start out with eight thousand points. Mm -hmm. What is the highest attack on a card? So the highest printed attack on any Yu-Gi-Oh card is 5,000. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Bigger yeah. than you might think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to say this and you're thinking I'm joking. Um, that, that's the highest printed attack. So okay. I'm not So legal counting. cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm, not really. Okay. The, there is a legal card that gets to an insane amount of um, attack points, which is... It has a really made-up name, but it is number IC1000, Numeronius Numeronia. It is the only... That's a mouthful. Yes, it is. It is the only rank 13 monster in the game. Okay. Which is just an Xyz monster. Instead of levels, they have ranks. Okay. Because they're different and need to be special. I have no idea. E everything has to have its own specialty. It makes you feel comfortable. I don't know. Um, Originality. You have to pay for it. <laughs> That's what it is. You're paying for it. But number IC1000 has a printed question mark, question mark, attack and defense. Okay. Which, just okay. means, which just means this card has zero unless the effect says otherwise. Okay. Its effect is that during your opponent's turn, it gains 10,000 attack points. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was like, kill shot, to doom, yeah, done, uh, done. Uh, but that means you can't attack into your opponent with it. Okay. Because it's only during their turn. The rest of its text says that your opponent must attack Numeronius Numeronia or they lose the game. Yep. Dang. Yep. He's mean. That That is extremely mean. It's extremely mean. Um, what formats can you use this one in? Is it available in all or only in certain formats of, of tournament play? Um, he got released, I think, at the end of Zexel, which was around right right in 2014 so pretty much any format after duels alliance he's available he's for play for. the okay. issue is is that he has that great effect but he's impossible to summon well yeah 13 need, yeah like, yeah you got to stack a lot to get to that you need to stack a lot and like there's certain ways to cheat him out but it's also really hard it's just a card that's really hard to see on mm -hmm. the board if you do see it on the board you do just kind of lose but <laughs> Tip over, done. Walk away. You know, it, it's it, it's one of those things that associated with cost, right? You need to play a, a lot of bad cards that don't do a lot by themselves mm -hmm. to be to able to there. facilitate one monster. And if your opponent during their turn is able to get rid of Numeronis Numeronia, you've built up all this for nothing. All this for nothing. Yeah, like oh. all these cards you've needed to find, all these monsters you needed to summon for one dude, and now he's gone. That would suck. It, that would suck. That, that and that's why not a lot of people play him. Because mm. he reads really good. And that's a really important trend through Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Is that <clears throat> certain cards 
read amazing, 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 amazing. But they're just really bad because of either the way that they have to be played or stipulations on the cards or like it, it is tough to play that card. Even like cards that have seen competitive play don't anymore okay. because, you know, like Monarchs. Monarchs don't see consistent competitive play because all they do is tribute summon. Okay. And it's not really enough anymore yeah. after like 2005, even at tops in 2012. So still like 11 years. Uh. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just we need more return on their effects, but their cost is too great. So cars that don't have comparable cost and effects don't see competitive play. Gotcha. Yeah. So now we've got the strongest here. Yep. And highest stakes here. What is the weakest, like almost just pointless card? <laughs> so remember what I was saying about hand advantage? That yes. is super important in Yu-Gi-Oh. There's a card that exists called Pot of Generosity. Pot of Generosity says you may shuffle two cards from your hand into the deck. Then you okay. may shuffle the deck. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> that's all it does very simple very just so okay if you activate this card you shuffle two cards from your hand mm -hmm. into the deck and you also have to play the card on the field so you lose three cards out of your hand immediately immediately wow that stinks it stinks yeah it's like, bad it's that, bad that could really ruin your whole entire plan that you've had for that game built up it's very bad it's really good if like you've drawn a card you don't want to draw and you need it in the deck mm -hmm. which like Sometimes that does come up, but there are easier ways to be able to put back that card yeah. or just go to the next game. Just just don't play that hand. <laughs> just just, just ignore on. it. That move never on. happened. Sometimes deck bricks and like, that's fine. But like, I'm not going minus three and starting my turn with two cards in hand <laughs> to my opponent's five cards. That, unless you are feeling ballsy enough to be able to try to pull that off. It, and showing off. It, from a math perspective. It makes no sense, yeah. It makes no sense. And that also means that your two cards then need to trade for your opponent's six cards. Because your opponent draws for a turn if they go second. So each one of your cards in your hand yeah. needs to trade for three cards each. Okay. That is uh, playing suicide, essentially. It, it's what point. we like to call a losing position. <laughs> Which is a perfect name. Which is a perfect, perfect name. name. Um, but yeah, Pot of Generosity is the weakest and the most pointless Yu-Gi-Oh card ever printed, in my opinion. So every card game has that valuable card that everybody wants, that they're willing to spend money on and drop crazy amounts for it. What is that card within Yu-Gi-Oh? So... This one actually has a really nice story, too. Okay. So, Tyler the Great Warrior is a card that was a Make-A-Wish project between the Ooh, cool. some of the Konami executives, the original artist for the really early Yu-Gi-Oh cards, because it sort of had that like cool vintage art style. Okay. Uh, Tyler the Great Warrior was drawn by the original illustrator for Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, wow. And was printed as an actual card. This little boy named Tyler had cancer. He reached out to make a wish. Make a wish reached out to Konami, printed his own card. Wow. Yeah, right. That is cool. It never happens. It was the only time a collaboration like that ever happened. Oh, my word. So, you know, Tyler's doing much better now. Um, recently, his card went up to auction because, you know, you have a one of a kind Yu Gi Oh card. Is it? There's only one? There's only one. Oh, wow. It is the only card in Yu Gi Oh like that. There is only one of this card. It recently sold on an eBay auction for in the ball game of $311,000. So did Tyler have it originally and then he sold it? And then yes. now he's just kind of moving on? Yes. Wow. So now he just wanted to get all the, the equity from it. I don't blame him. Which, like, I don't blame him. I get it too. I. I <laughs> It, it is genuinely really hard to say whether I would sell that card if I had it. You know, I I, I feel that as way uh, that way as well. When you get certain things and you, and you look at it, and you're like, man, this is amazing. Could I do this? Especially when it's like your lifelong like passion. Yeah. Enjoy. Like I've got this. You know. Yeah. Can I? Can I not? Yeah. It, how much? How what does it work to you? What you is know? the price? that it would be taken off my hands for. I think 311 is tempting. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. And that's that's the one thing when it comes to auction is, I'd be an auctioneer, is 
it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Yes. And they were willing to pay 300 and some thousand dollars. And <laughs> it was it was really funny because a couple of uh I was actually like watching this auction go by on eBay. And it was open for like you bid $2 and then after that you're out. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't bid. I was like I'm just here to watch the fireworks. Don't blame um, me. Um because by the time I had seen it, it was already like $3,000. And I'm like, I'm just, it's all right. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, I, I would need to work my entire, like, you know, rest of my life to be able to like, get that money. Is it worth you know, it? No, <laughs> it's only my tuition for this semester. It's fine. Why not? <laughs> tuition, school. Yeah. Yeah. And they just kept climbing after that. Yeah. But it was really cool to see uh, because a lot of like bot generated bids came in for this card of people just trying to artificially boost the price yeah um, that sucks i hate when that happens yeah it was like really out of left field too because it was sitting at around two hundred eighty thousand dollars when it happened mm -hmm. and it just randomly got a mil and a half bid what? randomly yeah just a mil and a yeah. half so people legitimately thought that this card was going to sell for a million dollars legitimately i bet um, ebay picked up on it and was just like it did it did yeah. immediately pick up on it and within the day it had gone back to like the 285 ish it was sitting at yeah but it was it was weird like i think that almost contests for the highest magic card ever sold uh which was the one true ring which was sold very recently to post malone good old post malone for, good old post malone he yeah. loves magic that's yeah. my favorite part about him. He, great music, great music. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is so good at magic. Every that's the thing that surprised. Like you, you look at people and you never know what their true like passions and stuff are and what yeah. they may be like good at and love. But hey, you got the money. Sometimes you got the talent for it. Go for it, man. He's got it. I mean, God knows if he has the free time or not. But I mean, he's. You'll see him like you see him in like YouTube he? videos too, and like Command Zone and stuff like that. Yeah, you'll see him like playing Magic or like Commander or stuff. It's it's very funny. It's very funny. I love seeing that that, that different element of people's lives yeah. that you just don't ever think about. Just the total dichotomy of people. I would never associate Post Malone with Magic in that range, but now now we know. Now we know. Now we know. Yeah. Um, but it was sold to Post Malone for about three million dollars. Wait, what? <laughs> the One True Ring. Yeah. Wow. $3 million uh, because um, Magic recently had a, a Magic the Gathering collaboration. Okay. So what they did is like a lot of like movie characters got printed of uh, Frodo, Bilbo, Gandalf, Sam, Legolas, stuff like that. Gotcha. Uh, they got printed in like commanders and different cards and there's like cool new art types and like stuff like that. Okay. But they also printed a card named the One Ring, which is... Like sort of the serialized version of the one true ring. Gotcha. The one true ring has one printing. Wow. It was only ever printed once. And it's in the same I'm not I'm not familiar with Lord of the Rings, but it's in the same language as the runes inside of the actual one true ring that was in Lord of the Rings. Okay. So the whole card is translated like that. Wow. And like I think the flavor text on it is like whoever holds the ring holds true power or whatever. It's pretty cool. Makes sense. But yeah, someone in was like going through like Walmart boxes and had just bought the set and was like, Found maybe it. it's in here and just opened $3 million oh, out of like an $80 box. That'd be a beautiful day. I think $3 million, yeah, that is pretty, pretty solid of not going into like the hundred millions and things like that. Right. It, it's yeah, three, it's three enough million to like, set for very comfortably. Like generational wealth for sure. Yeah. But like enough to be like, hmm. Maybe I'll get a part-time job. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to choose how I'm going to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to choose how I work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be so nice if I got to choose how I work. That would be a beautiful thing. Sign me up. Me too. S sign me up. Me too. I'm going to take a pause here in the conversation. I felt like this was the best place to be able to pause before we go on to two weeks from now, our next episode. Whenever we come back, Aiden's going to talk about tournament play. We're going to really start to discuss his accolades, his sponsorships, and the etiquette that goes into playing, setting up his deck, formatting styles of play, and the psychology that goes into making him the player that he is today. So if you had a good time listening to this episode, come back and visit us in about two weeks. Also, if you would like to be able to reach out to Aiden, he said, let's do this through uh, Hawk's Nest Gaming in Woodstock. There's a Facebook and an Instagram page, which I will link in the episode notes. If you would like to reach out to me, 
I have an email address, which is the easiest to get a hold of, which is Cade at learningfromfriends.com, which is spelled C-A-D-E at learningfromfriends.com. The next best way is through Facebook. I have a Facebook page to search up Learning From Friends and the podcast page will come up. I do have a Twitter page. Mostly I just kind of post the episodes on there, but if you would like to be able to reach out to there, you can. And lastly, I do have a podcast Patreon page. So if you would like to be able to contribute at any level you would like to in terms of support, I would love that. There are hours that go into every single episode ranging from building the outlines to recording. And I like to do some nice things for my guests post-episode. Like tonight, I'm taking Aiden out to dinner afterwards. So feel free if you would like to be able to do so in a contribution. That would be amazing. Now, before we leave out here, I have a request from you, the listener. I would like you to share this in any way, form, or fashion you can. The best way is word of mouth. Being able to talk to your friends, neighbors, people inside your community goes a long way. If you want to share it on Facebook or on any other social media, that is amazing as well to be able to get the message out about this lovely podcast. There are 60 plus episodes. Dive back through. Maybe you know something specific that your friend likes to listen to. Pass it on to them. With that, it is awesome to always be here and share these moments with you. So as we leave here, My name is Kay Curtis, your tour guide on this lovely adventure that I like to call Learning From Friends. And most of all, don't forget, let your curiosity fly high.